Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode number 28 of Guidelines. We have talked about a lot. We've gone through business development, and then we got into some implementation. Then we did some interviews, and I trust you got a lot out of those. And now what I want to do is we're, we're just following the life cycle of a client. And we go from having no client to presumably getting a client to implementing and you know you could implement whatever process you could be doing core groups or x core or whatever it is um and now what we want to do is just continue with that life cycle so let's say that you've been working with a company for three months six months 12 months whatever it is i'd like us to now focus on loyalty how do you develop and foster loyalty that's a critical question. And you have seen some people around the giant community that do this really, really well. And I would encourage you to model yourself after them. You have, for example, Susie Lance, shout out to Susie, who literally shows up on one of her client's org charts, like on the org chart. Um, And, you know, I would say that is a sign of mutual trust that is really at the basis of loyalty. When you work yourself into a trusted relationship like that, um, one of the things or a few things to be aware of, there's this tension that that I try to strike between uh, being detached from the company because, I mean, unless you are literally like receiving a paycheck and you are a paid employee, um, then I have to remain somewhat detached, right? That's healthy. That's as much in their best interest as it is mine. But on the other end of that spectrum, the other tension that we have to strike is with dependence. So there's this dependence and detachment tension that we have to strike. Uh, I do not want companies to be dependent on me. That's why I work with them to implement catalysts to take this process internally and actually have it be something that's organically part of the the DNA of their company. That sh- I think that should be all of our goals. That's one of the things that sets Giantus apart from uh, so much uh, so many other conventional leadership development approaches. In the traditional model, you walk in and the client becomes dependent on you. And what we are trying to do is raise up people from within the company to take on that work. But we can also be too detached. We can we can foster this relationship in which we are, you know, we try to, you know, remain outside the company and try not to become emotionally involved and or too, too in- intertwined. And one of the things I pay a lot of attention to uh, are the pronouns that I use. So if I will, if I'm working with a company for a while, I will catch myself wanting to say we. Um, I will only go there, and, and you understand the significance of that, right? Because if, if I'm saying we, that can be highly offensive and pre- presumptuous in the client's ears. However, if they introduce that, if you end up on their org chart, um, 
then it is we. Like if they're saying like, we need to do this or let's do this, then that that usage of a pronoun is a cue to you that, okay, that's that's part of what we're doing. That said, we still need to maintain that level of objectivity, which is hard because, you know, if, if you if you spend time with a company for a while, some of them become your friends and you create this familiarity and even inside jokes and things like that that make our work so fun, but then you have to be willing to walk away from it um, if that's what needs to happen. So what we're talking about here is how do you foster that healthy sense of loyalty? And to begin with, loyalty is a two-way street. Um, it's loyalty. How do you build loyalty? We often think about like how, how, do, how do they stay loyal to us? But really what we're talking about here is, is your loyalty to them. And at the core of that is the same philosophy that you began your relationship with them. Um, and it has to do with you fighting for their highest possible good. From day one, literally from the first meeting, are you fighting for their highest possible good? And I had a meeting yesterday with a prospective client and sat down with the executive team and that's that's my attitude. I'm going to kick down doors. I'm going to, you know, do whatever it takes to liberate these people. Um, and that's my commitment, uh, which means I have to be absolutely committed to that throughout the duration of their relationship. I had a client come to me and say, you know, we need to, we need to wind down. We need to, you know, budgets are tight and so forth. And, um, it was one of those situations where I was, I, I knew, I knew I was in a good place because my mind didn't go to the retainer and the, the amount of money that I would lose. That's, that was secondary. Um, what, what my mind went to was no, like you're not there yet. You, you will lose ground so fast and your investment will vanish in front of your eyes if you stop now, we are not on the downwards side of this mountain yet. And so that's, that's the kind of attitude that I adopt. I would encourage you to adopt the same thing. Um, and I think if you look around and see the, the, the guides that have been most successful, they have that tenacity. It obviously requires the utmost respect. Um, if that's the direction someone wants to go, great. But I made it clear with this client, this is not the time to do that. Like this, here's my concern. You choose what you're going to choose, but this is my concern. And um, I, and I, I listed my, my concerns for, for, making, for drawing our, our relationship to a close simply out of fear of budgets. Now, I understand sometimes that's just a practical reality, but in the back of my mind, I'm always going, you know what, for every dollar you don't pay me is is $3, $4, $5, $10 that you are burning somewhere else. Because if we do our jobs, we are making their companies more profitable, more efficient, more productive. So that's why I just, I don't back down and respectfully push back when, when someone says that they want to, to wind down our relationship. Um, I, I take it as a sense of short sightedness and what's my job. My job is to fight for them and, and help them see the big picture. Okay. So with that said, let's go back to the beginning. 
So stick with me. What I want to do is is talk about where loyalty begins. And it begins uh, with that first relationship. It begins with all the way back in that introductory sales conversation that we've covered um, on up through drawing up agreements, the options you present. And one of the things that 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 will short circuit loyalty before you ever begin is the work, workshop syndrome. And the workshop syndrome is that you come in and give a workshop and I don't doubt that it's probably the best workshop that that you've ever that they've ever seen. Um, it could be unbelievable. But the nature of what we do, we, we cannot confuse inspiration with transformation. And unfortunately, we've, we can buy in, I can buy into that. I can find myself being seduced by the inspiration that they draw from a workshop. Uh, and if we're complicit in that, then, then I would say that we are not fighting for their highest possible good. So my challenge to you is, are you... Are you are you giving them the illusion of transformation through a workshop, and are you you know are have you been infected with the workshop syndrome? <laughs> you know, it, it's the model we've all inherited. We all have been part of it for the last hundred years. That that a workshop is the way to go. Uh, but with this client I met with yesterday, I can tell you that nothing on the table is a workshop. This is a relationship, and I set it up yesterday for that, that this is an ongoing commitment. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. I, I will do workshops, but I frame it very carefully and very intentionally that this is, this is really the front step of that larger building. This is just the beginning. I will even point out the, the illusion of transformation, and in a sense, I'm underselling the workshop. Because what I'm wanting them to do is see the reality of, of what it takes for authentic transformation to take place. And that begins in the first conversation. So set yourself up for that. But that raises this larger question, which is, you know, we've t- we're talking about loyalty of the client to you. We're talking about your loyalty to them. But your loyalty to them begins with your loyalty to yourself, what can short circuit the relationship and the loyalty with a, a client is when we sell ourselves short, when we stop believing in ourselves, when we, when, we, when we start believing the lies about ourselves. And my challenge to you is to step back and, and question, how much am I doing that? To what degree am I actually giving up on myself? Because even if a client gives up on you, that doesn't mean you give up on yourself. And that's what I was doing with that client that, that wanted to wind down is it's like, well, I know I've got way more value to give you. Um, and so I'm going to push back uh, because I, did, I believed in myself. I believed in the process. I believed in what I could offer them. And my question to you is, do you believe in yourself? And do you are you loyal to yourself? Because that will show up in the very first interaction with a client, you may, you know, you may have this client and work with, with this client for three, four, five years. It all starts with that first interaction and, but it needs to persist throughout the entire relationship. So what does loyalty to yourself look like? Uh, you know, one of my absolute favorite short stories is 
a story called First Native, and it's written by an author named David James Duncan, and he is based here in the Pacific Northwest, avid fly fisherman, and he has this short story of the first time that he ever went fly fishing on the Deschutes River, which is where I learned how to fly fish. So it's a story that's close to my heart. And in the story, he's fishing on the Deschutes River with an archaic antique like rod made out of bamboo that he found in the corner of his garage and his dad gave it to him to use. And he hooks into an enormous trout. I won't even attempt to do justice to this story. Um, If you have even the most remote interest in fly fishing, this short story is, is probably among the best descriptions of what it's like to catch a trout on a fly. Uh, I've never seen anything like it or read anything like it. It's just absolutely fabulous. Um, Hemingway's Big Two-Hearted River, definitely runner-up, but First Native is unbelievable. It's hilarious, and uh, I won't, I'm not going to give anything away. But the sh- I'm going to cut to the end, though. So this is a spoiler. Apologies. He catches the fish, and he catches it on this primitive, broken fly rod that shouldn't function. And yet he pulls out the large, like one of the, one of the larger fishes, fishes, one (laughs) one of the larger trout in the river. And he's a little kid. And I'm like, isn't that life? Like we are little kids. We're so simple. We're constantly learning. The more we learn, the less we know. And we're using incredibly primitive tools. And that it's not about the tools. It's about us. It's about the person on the other side of the tools. That's what's most important. And I can't depend on the tools to do the work. That's 10% of it. And fortunately with Giant, we have unbelievable tools. We have you know, a $1,200 fly rod, but that won't catch fish, but I will catch fish. Like, and I don't care what rod I use. Uh, and that's the attitude that we have to have. And that's what it means in my mind to be loyal to myself. You know, one of the, my mottos I live by when I give keynote addresses is prepare as if the projector won't work. And when I show up to a conference and prepare to give a, a speech or, or, or keynote, I just assume the slides won't work. And how many speakers have you seen where the slides don't work and they freeze? Why? Because they're dependent on the tool. They're dependent on the projector. They're dependent on their slides. They're you know dependent oftentimes on a list of bullet points to get through their message. That's not how it works. That's not how influence works. That's not how change or impact works. It, it starts with you and it starts with a blo- broken fly rod. It starts with a projector that won't work. Uh, and it starts with, with being loyal to yourself. You have way more to offer than you give yourself credit for. You undersell yourself. Um, and, and I do the same and you can call me out on it. Uh, it's just human nature. And, what I'm challenging you to do is consider when it comes to building loyalty to your client, I know you want them to be loyal to you, 
However, what's your loyalty to them? Are you fighting for their highest possible good? But ultimately, where does it all start? It starts with you. It starts with you being loyal to yourself. So my takeaway for you is think about that when it comes to your client. There are all kinds of reasons to sell yourself short, to to shrink back, to, you know, okay, well, I guess if that's what you say and acquiesce and... I am imploring you to tap into some some inherent feistiness. <laughs> some like, no, like I've got more to give and look at where we've come from and, the, and, and, and be able to paint the picture. Which by the way, goes back to a question, how well are you documenting the value of your work with clients? Because you've got to have a, a breadcrumb trail and you've got to be able to point back two different stories, different examples. I was actually going through my notes from a client yesterday. And this was like notes from three years ago. And what I do, and I think I've explained this, but I set up uh, notes for each session. And then I have a tab for success stories. And just as a reminder, that's priceless. Because when you have something come up in a meeting and someone shares like, you know, in this case, I was looking at this story yesterday and, and the sales and production person were able to make amends and work cooperatively rather than combatively. And they came to this meeting, they're like, oh my gosh, like, because we were working together, we actually found a way to uh, save about $50,000 with this uh, vendor of ours and bring that to the meeting. And I'm like, well, shoot, I'm paid for, you know, you just, you made 50 grand for the company. Why? Because you're able to work together. Why? Because we've been going through this process for the last nine months. So I put that in my notes. And now, you know, if that CEO pushes back, I can go back to my notes and go, let's do a little retrospect and the value that you've gotten out of this because we are all short-term thinkers and so are the the people that we serve. And so it's just a, a kind reminder of look how far we've come. And and, you know, what can we do if, if we stay stick this through and how can this actually be more profitable without making them dependent on you? So that's that goes back to that that t- tension and without being, you know, uh, and with preserving a healthy detachment. So that's loyalty. That's that's been my philosophy. Um, you know, I think I've been with some of my companies for three, four years, and, and and have become part of you know what they do. And it is, it's never not an honor. It's never not felt like a real privilege to contribute in my small way to what they're doing, and and yet um, it persists because I consistently remind myself of the value that I bring and of, 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 of what it's like to contribute to their well-being every single time that we interact. So, uh, I would encourage you to do the same. Um, I, you know, it, it was tempting for me to think about loyalty in terms, what can you do to really like keep your foothold within that company? And it's like, well, if they don't need you, then you shouldn't be there. Um, but, but uh, my goal is to consistently work my way up in the company and equip the people uh, within the company to take it over. And then I move into more of that evaluative role, uh, consultative role, and and that that I consider success. And um, I'll tell you right now, um, thinking of a catalyst that I work with, 
who spends about four hours a week uh, doing giant with his team. And he's an absolute rock star. I mean, the guy's unbelievable. Um, and that is just seeing that play out uh, is, is incredibly rewarding. So without persistence, that doesn't happen. Okay. So takeaways don't, you know, don't confuse uh, inspiration with transformation, avoid workshop syndrome, and ultimately be loyal to yourself. Uh, those are the takeaways and, uh, those are the keys. I think if you talk to any giant that, that builds that kind of loyalty, that's where it comes from. Okay. So with that, you've got some things to think about, some things to process. And hopefully, you know, for some of you that are in that place with clients and you might be sensing yourself backing away or getting intimidated or whatever it is, um, I want, I want to encourage you to, to persist. And for those people out there that, that tend to struggle to engage, you know, if, if you have a hard time really tracking with or, or being with clients for a long time uh, and you want to move on to the next thing, the new shiny thing, don't, um, you need, you need to see it through and you owe it to them. You owe it to yourself to see it through. And, and that, that's what it's all about. That's, that's loyalty to them. It's, it's loyalty to yourself. Um, and that's what you owe to them. Okay. So we look forward to picking that up next time. And I'm going to talk through some of the barriers. I'm actually going to introduce you to what I call a 631 principle. And uh, I won't go into it now. But as you explore the 631, uh, you will see how that ties in with this conversation and can ultimately unlock more influence for you with the clients that you work with. All right. Until then, take care, everyone. Nobody.